But anyway, get your Bibles out, and um, I'm gonna uh, let's get in the Word. Amen. Um, I want you to go to Second Chronicles five, chapter five, and I'm going to start a series today called "The Glory of God." Thank you, thank you, Adam. We have one saved human being in the building tonight. Let's hope that the rest of you come in. Amen. The glory of God. What is, the, what is glory? You know, all of my life I've heard of the glory of God, but honestly, it hasn't been until lately that I just sat down and decided to figure out what in the world is the glory of God? And why would we care? So the Bible has a lot to talk about the glory of God, and you're going to see that today. But I have something that I'm after in this church. The glory of God, I'm going to give you the definition, just a simple definition. We'll get into the bigger one in a minute. The, the, the simple definition is the manifested goodness of God. The manifested goodness of God. God, we hear this, we've heard this all of our life. He's everywhere. God is everywhere. Well, he is, but he's not showing up everywhere. Now, let me say something to you before. He's not in every church on Sunday morning. A church without God showing up is a religious country club. And it's boring. I mean, if, if I went to a religious church, I'd wake up and go, Oh, crap, it's Sunday. Well, let's go to the first service. It's not that long anyway. And we got things to do today that are important. And that's what happens when people don't experience God. You hear a sermon, you hear another sermon, you hear another sermon. After a while, you've heard all the sermons. And services, church, is just a waste of time, precious time. And this is what happens in churches around America. God, he don't even come either. He don't want to go. And he is not in every church, but he's in this one. Now, I'm not going I'm, I'm to, I'm going to give you a scripture, but we're not going to go there today. We are, I'm going to teach you how to go from glory to glory. And we're going to get in before I get through with this series. I, I believe I'm going to do it next Sunday too. We're going to talk about how God created you to carry glory. He created you for glory. Now, we're going to talk about all that. But for right now, let's talk about what the glory is. Glory is, number one, the manifested goodness of God. There are things that will never happen in your life without you being in his presence. You need the presence of God. 
So I'm, I'm going to give you, a, let me read the scripture. Let me read the scripture because I didn't even read my scripture. Second Chronicles 5, 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to, the, to be heard in the praising and thanking the Lord. And they lifted their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments and music. And they praised the Lord and said, he is good. His mercy endures forever that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. The glory filled the house of God. It filled the building up. We've had people. Now, I'm going to say this out because I've heard people say this. You've invited people to church. And they say, ah, no, I know, I know I should go, but I'm busy. No, they're not rejecting you or this church. But they've been to church where God isn't. And they already know it's just, oh, I don't want to go through this. And they already expect to come in, sit down, nothing happened to go home. Or maybe to hear a little condemnation and they already have all that. And so they avoid going to church and then they walk in here. They come in sick and they go home and their body don't hurt no more. And nobody even prayed for them. They just sat in the building. The glory of God is here now. We're going we're gonna to see an increase, and I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why. You're going to want it. You're going to want it. So we see that God showed up in this temple. He physically came in, so much so, even the ministers couldn't stand up. Now, you know, it's one thing when people fall out in the power. It's another thing when even the preachers can't stand up. Everybody in the building, just whoop, down, down they go. The glory of God is tangible. You can feel it. You can sense it. You can cut it and take it home and stick it on, a, on some cloth and send it to your relatives and all the devils will come out of them. I mean, it's, it's tangible. We call it the anointing. It's the glory of God. So I'm going to give you a few scriptures. I don't want you to turn there. I'm just going to quote them. Um, Abraham, it says, in, it says the, the God of glory appeared to Abraham. In Moses, we know in Exodus 33 that the glory appeared to Moses in, in, the, in the tent. In David, Psalm 63, and I'm going to read what David said. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and weary land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Isaiah experienced the glory of God. Habakkuk 2 says the whole earth one day will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. We, we will see, we will enter when Jesus returns in this whole earth we're on right now. will be literally full of the glory of God. Every city, every town, every everywhere you go. And there won't be a politician anywhere, crooked, lying, cheating dog. There won't be one. And money, you think Disney's neat. It's going to look like poverty when you get, the, I mean, the glory of God, the way he invented, the way he designed it in the garden, and we're going back to that. The lion lays down with a lamb, and the snakes don't bite people, and people don't die, and no more car accidents, and, and, it, we're, and the whole earth's going to be full of the glory of God. But for right now, we need his glory, and not every church has the glory, but we will. We will. 
We do to a measure, but there's more. Okay. Now, let me, let me read a couple more. It says, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus transformed into his glory. Paul was changed by the glory of God on the road to Damascus. The glory of God hit him. So I'm going to read to you the definition of glory. Now, here's the, the, the literal Hebrew word is kabob, and all it means is heavy. But it's a word that you can't say in one English word to describe it. So I'm going to read to you the definition of glory. The first word is wealth, numbers, commerce, power, wisdom, promotion, superiority, dignity, authority, nobility, splendor, valor, magnificence, ordinary, extraordinary privilege and advantage. Does that sound like a good word? Does that sound like something you'd like to have? All right, now here's the point that I'm making. We're going to study Jesus in a minute. As a matter of fact, let's just go ahead and go on over there. John 1.14. Let's look at Jesus. The glory of God is the demonstration of all of God's goodness. It is his goodness in demonstration. And when I say goodness, his goodness, I'm talking about his wealth, his numbers, his commerce, his wisdom, his promotion, all of it manifested in you. Wherever that glory goes, wherever that glory goes, everything changes. Now, and I said that the glory of God is the manifested presence of God. I want to read a scripture to you. Pop it up on the screen. I want to read it off the screen. I think I just said John 1, did I? And the word became flesh, say Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his what? Glory. And the glory as the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Now, look at this. Jesus is the, you know, in every generation, they're reading about God. They're reading about God. They're reading about God coming to the temple. They're reading about God talking to Job. They're reading about God and Moses. But nobody hardly has ever seen him. Nobody knows what he's like. And then one day, bam, Christmas, wasn't December, he pops on the scene and he says, I'm going to go down there and so they can see me, touch me, and see what I I'm like, and now if you don't know what God is like, you can look at Jesus because that's what he's like. And no, he doesn't knock people in the head and kill them and leave them sick. That's right. So if you don't know what God is like, look at Jesus. All right. So we see Jesus is the manifestation of God. Now, everywhere Jesus went, everywhere, goodness followed him. Everywhere. I mean, he got in a boat one time, the storm came up, and I mean, the storm went, master. I mean, man, we can't even have a storm wrecking the boat with Jesus around. He walks into a town, and I mean, just walking into a church, and the devils bowed and came out because the glory, the kebab is there. The glory is there. Everywhere he went, I mean, I mean, just his clothes were so full of glory that people were sick, came up and just got a hold of his garment, and bam, that glory came out and went in their body and healed their bodies. So the world got to see and experience 
and touch and feel the glory of God. Matter of fact, when they killed him and nailed him to the cross, you have to understand hell can't hold the glory of God. And he blew out of hell like a rubber ball off the bottom of the ocean, grabbed his body on the way by and went, nice try, boys, but it ain't going to work. I ain't going to, you know, just. So we understand that glory is a positive thing. Glory is a good thing. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to get ahead of myself, Zach, but I don't, I can't get ahead of myself. So I'm going to talk to you about the four things real quick. In order to experience the glory, not everybody experiences glory, but you can. You can experience his glory when you want to. Now, when I got born again, uh, my, I grew up in a Baptist church. I only went Easter and Christmas. I was the CEO. Christmas, Easter only. First of all, I was a kid and I didn't have a car. How could I get to church? Okay. Had a bicycle, but never mind. So, 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 so I, I, I had a Baptist hymnal. And I still remember singing, This is my father's world. And to our listening ears. So I took a Baptist hymnal and sat in my house and sang for an hour or two. You know what happened? The glory came in. I didn't know what I was doing, but I mean, I mean, I would get up from reading, from singing a Baptist hymnal, and the glory would drip off my fingers. Changed everything in my life. The, the more I spent with God the greater my life changed for glory. And I went from glory to glory, and I'm not where I want to be yet. The more glory, the more glory, you want the glory of God. So we have church services, and and like a while ago, and the Spirit of God was just getting thick in here, and and the gifts of the Spirit operate, they operate there's an atmosphere that God operates in. And if you don't bring it in, he ain't showing up. He don't manifest. Now, thank God he manifests. Say amen. amen. Are you looking for greater? Yes. Well, you better believe it, baby. I'm looking for God to show up in here and everybody in the building fall out in the power and and. and Pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour and not even know you're in church. Glory be to God. And walk up and get out of here and go to Walmart and everybody around you fall out in the power and get healed by the power of God. We're headed there. I'm, I'm, I'm not just joking around. We literally are headed there. Matter of fact, Barbara, I just got to go ahead and tell it now. I got to tell it now. You know, the Holy Ghost brings up something. You just need to do it. When we were in the old building over there, one day we were in a prayer meeting, all sitting around like Indians, cross your legs, praying in the spirit. I had a vision of this building. Now, you remember me telling you the story of me going to heaven? And the Lord said to me, I said, can I see you? And he said, you can see my glory. What that means, I can see his presence. And he took me to heaven. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's no English that can explain what I saw. Can't, can't, you can't do it. I got so full of God 
that when I came back, I grinned for a week. Now, you know it takes more muscles to smile than to frown. You know that? And when you are a frowner and you don't smile much, it, your face hurts when you... And so after a, a, like a day or two of smiling, I had to ask God, you need to stop it because you're killing my face. I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. My face hurt from being happy. <laughs> but, but I mean just being in his presence, just being there. So anyway, having said that, I asked the Lord, can I come back? He said, you come back every time you worship me. Okay, one day we were praying, and I saw this building. Now, now I drew this building based on that vision. I saw a church service in the future where during the last days, we were in church, and we had gone over into the glory and everybody in the building was caught up into heaven. Everybody was hearing God. Everybody was experiencing the goodness of God. And I don't want to scare you if you're carnal. We were here for hours. And nobody cared. The glory was so strong. People all over the building were walking in and out of the throne room and you could see God. That was my vision. And it was like three or four in the afternoon, the glory lifted and everybody in the building walked out. And I saw people walk into Walmart and everybody they walked by fell out in the park. Everywhere the people in this church went, people were saved, healed, and delivered by the power of God. Now, that's a vision I had, and I know that it's coming. Now, Barbara, I'm preaching this because I want you to hook with me, but it's a promise that I have from God about this church. I haven't seen it like that yet, but we will. We're going to see it. All right. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Now, let me, let me jump way ahead of myself. Before the return of the Lord, hmm, should I do that? Yes, I have to do that. No, I can't do that yet. The world is not going to get any better. But what God wants to do is to wrap you in glory. You see, Adam wasn't naked. He was not nude. He didn't say, oh, golly gee, we just found out we're naked. They weren't naked. They were clothed in the glory. And whenever they sinned, the glory lifted and they went, whoa! So I'm going to prove it to you. When you die, you're between here and heaven you're not nude. So this is what it would look like. You die. You're standing there in all of your <laughs> nakedness. And the angel grabs you and puts you in a chute and sends you to heaven. And you're over there going, "Woo! I can't wait till I get there and get my glory suit, you know. No. You see, 
I'm getting ahead of myself. You're already clothed in glory. You're spirit man. So when you step out of your body, when someone looks at you, you're robed in glory. A sinner goes to hell nude. They don't have glory. And they're nude forever. They have no covering for their sin. But you and I are there now. Okay, I'm way ahead of myself. Now we got to come back. Well, I don't know how I got off on all that. I got in the next week's sermon and I'm not even there yet. All right, there are four things we need to experience the glory of God. Now I'm going to quote them, but I'm going to go through the first three quick. Number one is a strong desire. A strong desire for the things of God. Without a strong desire, you will never experience the glory of God. You have to want God. Now, here's the scripture. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Every day of your life, you have choices. All around you is choices. Some of you say, I'm, too bu- I'm busy. No, you're not. You're distracted from what's real. Nothing you are doing is helping you out. Everything you have that's any good was given to you by God. Salvation is a gift. The new birth is a gift. Filled with the Holy Ghost is a gift. Wisdom is a gift. Mercy is a gift. And what do you think your busyness is doing? It didn't do anything. So you're not too busy for, to be with God. That's an excuse. So, so let, me, let, me, let me just say something here right now. And I want you just to hold on to your seats. All of your reasons for not obeying God will always be someone else. Adam said Eve and God, you are either mad at your spouse or you're mad at your parents or you're mad at the pastor. And that's not true. The, the, prob- the reason you're not walking with God is because you're having a problem with God. Well, my children would be in church, but your children are rebelling against authority. People are not their problem. They are the problem. The issue is you and God. Because there's nothing. When a man loves Jesus, nothing keeps him from the presence of God. No one See, you have to stop believing the lie. Maybe you're the one saying it's someone else's fault. No, it isn't. (laughs) Thank you. Now, that's just a little correction. And everybody went quiet. (laughs) Breathe. And we'll go back to preaching on wonderful, nice, fluffy (laughs) stuff now. (laughs) Man. Okay. Philippians 3.10 says... Forget what's behind and press forward towards the mark of the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Without a desire to spend time with God, you won't. There has to be strong desire to be with God. All right, number two is faith. Number two element to experience the glory of God is faith. Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. God requires you to act like the Bible's true, to trust him. 
Without faith, you will not see the glory of God. Jesus, when he was on the earth and he was walking, he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. So faith is a requirement to experience the glory of God. Now listen, if you're here today and church is boring to you, it's you. Do you understand that there was people in Jesus' day that never met him? They didn't go looking for him. But there were people who walked for eight days to go see him. There has to be strong desire and there has to be faith. Number three is the Holy Ghost. Now, none of these I'm preaching on today. I didn't say I'm not going to preach on them at all. We may come back. But the, the next one is the Holy Spirit are to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit is a person. He is, the, he is God, but he's manifested God. Now, when we have Holy Ghost meetings, I want you to understand that, that what that means is God has entered the room, and he's manifesting. All right, now, what that means is your flesh is going to give way to God. That's why sometimes when, when you're just standing there looking really cool and God gets on you, 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 you go, go, and your, your flesh, that's a lot of power. If you think I'm lying, I'm going to prove it to you. I want you to get a bobby pin, put it in your mouth, and stick it in a socket. And tell me what you felt. That's only 110. I want you to imagine getting a hold of God. <laughs> Glory to God. You know what they do down there in that church? They run. <laughs> they run. <laughs> I mean, I mean... <laughs> I've been down there before. It, it's a sight. I mean, the pastor's preaching to somebody. He gets up and starts screaming right in the middle of his sermon and take off running through the bed. I mean, you talking about it looked like a, it looked like a church service in Kentucky or something like that. Ignorant, most ignorant, unlearned people just can't sit still. And not only that, I seen one time that People came up wanting to be healed. They said God heals today. <laughs> we know he uses doctors. Help me, Jesus. And the pastor laid hands on them. They fall. I ain't falling out. I'll go to the doctor and give him $100,000, but I ain't getting up here and falling out of power. And then, to make matters worse, I watched some of them over there talking in languages. I couldn't wait to get, I had to get out of there. I was a scared dad to get on me. It will. Oh, it'll get on you. And see, when you come in contact with God, 
Occasionally, I'll be preaching to God, get all over me. And I'm like, whoa, that was good. You, did, did I say that? Um, that was, oh, that's good. So, so I want to read it to you again. Wealth. I mean, you, you, how would you like someone to just rub you with something that caused you to be richer? Listen, everywhere the Jewish people went was wealth. Abraham got around the glory, and the next thing you know it says, and Abraham was rich. Just God walking in the camp left the glory there, and all of the goats started making goats like crazy. The sheep made sheep, camels made sheep, and money, gold started coming from everywhere. All that happened was God walked into camp. And gold showed up. Solomon had so much glory that they piled silver in the street because it was worthless. Just a little tiny bit of glory. You say, I want some of that. See, if you don't like the prosperity message, you certainly don't want to get full of the glory of God. Because God won't ride around in your Toyota Corolla for long. He likes bling, bling. It won't be long if he's going to ride with you, he's going to ride in style. He'll have a Toyota Tundra. (laughs) Or for people with a little bit of faith, a Raptor. Can I tell the story where, where is, Justin, who was that? He went over to their house the other day and showed up in his raptor and, and everybody, all the sinners went ballistic. Preacher got a raptor. No way. Oh, that ain't the preacher. That's the preacher's son. Oh, no way. Why in the world would you be want my God if my God can't take better care of me than your God? You don't want to listen to a broke preacher. At every, everywhere that David went, he prospered everywhere. Moses went, he prospered everywhere. Jesus was rich. Did you know Jesus was rich? You know, when you're two years old and they come from Iran or Persia and they bring you gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and we're not, there weren't three guys. Listen, just forget the Christmas story. There, there was a caravan of magi bringing you gold and then you sing poor baby Jesus. You can't have a poor baby Jesus sitting in the living room playing with bars of gold. (laughs) Oh my God, someone needs to rewrite a lot of Christmas stories. They financed Mary and Joseph's trip to Egypt and back and got him in the ministry. Jesus still had money when he knew he had he still had money when he went in the ministry. Why do you think he needed a treasurer? Let me ask you a question. Do you have a treasurer? 
Do you know why you don't have a treasurer? You don't have a treasure for the earth to keep. Do you know why Judas would steal money? Because there was. <laughs> you can't steal what ain't. <laughs> and you know why he thought he'd get away with it? Because there was so much of it. That, that's kebab. I mean, I, you know how kebab works? You throw your line in the water and bring a fish out of it and have a coin in his mouth. That's kebab. <laughs> oh, that's just one word, wealth. Commerce, power, wisdom, promotion. You get in the glory of God, you go back, it won't be long, you'll own the store you work at. The boss you have will be working for you. I'm telling you the truth. Promotion. And they, did did, that, did Joseph get promotion? That, listen, they put him in jail, and he got promoted in jail. Right. Yeah. And then they got him out of jail, and then he became second in command over the whole nation. That's called the glory of God on a man. Yeah. This is a pretty good sermonette. I mean, I don't know whether you know. See, you want the glory. Nobility. Oh, look at me in that tone of voice. Some of y'all think you get it in the clothing store. Man, you better have some nobility before you put the clothes on. But I'm going to tell you something. You nobility, everybody knows when you got money. I ain't talking about spending your credit cards out and looking like it. I love walking into a men's store and they go, Mr. Morgan, you want to know how much this cost? I went, don't care. That's what I want. And then I want three of them. Yes, sir. I want the shoes. I want the socks. I want that belt. I'll be back next week. Glory. Okay. I don't want my kids to ride up to a pimp and wish they were a pimp. I want them to ride up to a preacher and wish they were a Christian. <laughs> when, when, when Fred Price, now I know some of y'all don't believe, if you don't believe in prosperity, never mind, you just hang around here, we'll help you. But Fred Price, the church bought him a Rolls Royce. So he's riding through LA, and some guy comes and says, Hey man, you be pimping. He <laughs> No, I'm a pastor. Ah! <laughs> You a pastor in a, and you riding the road, baby. I'm coming to your church. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let me go. Splendor, valor, magnificence, extraordinary privilege, and advantage. God will just make you the favorite. People that just do things for you. Just, why are you doing that? I don't know. I just want to, I just want to, I got to tell the story. I always have to tell stories. I have to tell stories. This is one of my favorite and least, 
we're, we're riding along in an airplane. Where we're, I don't know, remember where we were going and where we were coming from. But they put us about three rows back in this little seats. And the, the, way, the wait, the, not the waitress, what? Stewardess. She came by and she goes, are you Mr. Morgan? I said, yeah. She said, would you like to sit up here next to first class? I went, yes. <laughs> and she moved, and so she asked Lisa, and Lisa went, I don't want to. See, Lisa didn't have a good revelation yet. <laughs> Lisa said, you're deceiving her. I, I didn't deceive anybody. I'm just sitting there in all of my glory. Now, what, I'm going to tell you the truth. Lisa will tell you what I'm going to tell you the truth. They set me in that seat right by the door where there's leg room. And then she said, is there anything I can get you from first class, Mr. Morgan? I went, yes. And she went into first class and started bringing me food. And I turned to Lisa goes. <laughs> and then she said, who are you? Why would any human look at you and say, who are you? Come on. I, I didn't say nothing to her. I'm just sitting there in all my handsomeness. <laughs> Looking important. <laughs> Dr. Morgan. And you, you, Lisa will tell you it's true. That lay, all of the stewardesses catered to me the whole flight. And I didn't dare tell them nothing. I didn't tell them nothing. Said, who are you? I went, ah. I said, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. And I just let them pour it on. They had no idea why they were doing that. The glory of God. Say, I want some of that. And I'm going to teach you how to get it. First John, John 1, 14. John 1, 14. Did we read this a while ago? Yeah, let's read it again. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son of the father. When Jesus walked the earth, he walked in glory. And he carried it everywhere he went. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to get into next week. What happened with Peter? You say it was his shadow. No, his shadow. Just him walking by. The glory got on people around him. Before the return of Jesus, you will see a church full of the glory of God. We're created for glory. Now, number four, and I'm going to change courses here for a minute. Go to Leviticus 10.3. One of the things that you must have to experience the glory of God is reverence. Do you think the King of kings and the Lord of lords is going to come in a place where he's not given honor? He is not. He's not. I, I want to read a story here from John Bevere. And as I do, I need to give a disclaimer. This is corrective in measure. And this church was not doing well at all. I don't believe that that's y'all. I believe you're way past where they were in their walk with God. I didn't, I'm not reading it to, to censor you. 
I am reading it to educate you to why God comes to some places and not to others. So starting next week, when you, you've noticed when you come in this church, from 10.15 to 10.30, Barbara and the ladies are praying. I'm going to ask you, if you enter at those times, be quiet, enter prayer, and if you want to talk, take it out into the foyer. I'm just asking you to be reverent with the things of God. I'm also going to ask you that at 1030, we are in a worship service. Don't come in talking. Get their phone number, take them to lunch, or y'all go out in the parking lot and talk. But I want, I want you to understand that in this place, we're revering God. We have worship services. It is in the worship services that you're going to see a greater or a lesser manifestations of the glory of God. Amen. Corporate worship brings the presence of God in. Now, having said that, I want you to understand you can control yourself. Well, you know, I hadn't seen, no, don't give me, just take it outside. You're in charge of your flesh. Now, as I read this, I want you to understand that all of us in this room have had times when we have been irreverent. I have. We all have. I'm going to read it so that you and I will understand that there is a time that we've set aside to worship God for who he is and what he's doing. And I'm telling you, you, you want the glory. Yeah. The, the church, Mary Fran has been prophesying lately that there's a turn coming in the church. The churches who do not make the transition to worship God, and I'm talking seeker sensitive, they're going under. And the people are going to fall away from God. God will no longer tolerate you growing a church for the size of it and not for the people. You understand that? Now, you have a choice you're going to make. But here, we're going to, we're going to honor God, okay? All right, are you all good? I want to read this. It says, it was just 10 days in the new year. I had, I had been to Europe and Asia to minister, and I was excited to get on a plane this time South America to Brazil. The first service was held that evening in the capital city of Brasilia. A few short hours of rest, my interpreter and I picked up in the hotel, took to the meeting cars, crowded the parking lots. I could see the meeting would be well attended. As we approached the building, I could hear music as it escaped the five-foot opening at, uh, between the, for ventilation between the top of the roof and the wall. Our... Um, our, our, anticip our, antici our anticipation mounted as I listened to the music. Familiar praise choruses being sung in Portuguese, the language in Brazil. Once inside, I was ushered to the platform. The auditorium, which was apparently 4,000 people, was full. The platform was rocking with high-intensity praise music. The quality of music was very good. The musicians were, musicians were skilled, and they flowed together. The singing was excellent. The leaders gifted with good voices. Yet I quickly noted a complete absence of God's presence. A shame. You see, you can't work God up in a hype. You want skill. Skill and skill alone doesn't bring God. Not interested in your skill. 
I scanned the crowd, musicians, and I said, God, where are you? Because he wasn't there. As I waited for his reply, I noticed what was happening in the building. Through the bright lights on the platform, I could see people milling around. Many stood with their eyes open, looking at something or someone in the building. Many appeared to be bored. Their hands were thrust in their pockets, hung at their sides. Everything about their body posture and countenance gave the appearance of a casual crowd waiting for the show to begin. Some talked to one another. Others roamed the aisles, wandering in and out of the auditorium. I was grieved. This is not an evangelistic outreach. You know, sometimes God will tolerate that with the sinner. I knew there was some in the audience who were not believers, and yet I knew the majority of those were Christians. I waited. I hoped the people would enter into true reverence of the Lord, and I said, surely this atmosphere will change, but it didn't. After 20 or 30 minutes, the music tempo slowed to what we call worship. Yet I witnessed was far from true worship. The same casual behavior I observed when I entered the auditorium moved forward into the service. The song service ended. It seemed as if over an hour had transpired. It was actually less than 40 minutes, and those present were told to sit down. They sat, but the underlying rumble of casual conversation continued. One leader took the microphone to exhort the people, and the people talked. The leader read from the Bible and taught, and the entire time I heard the rumble of voices speaking, many people moving around. I also noticed many paying no attention to the speaker. I could scarcely believe what I was witnessing. In frustration, I turned to my interpreter, and I said, is this normal? He shared my disgust. He said, sometimes I have to address it, and I have to ask the people to please pay attention. At this point, I was angry. I want to stop now. I've experienced God being grieved. Some people have asked me at times in the end of the service, were you mad? Yes. I expect, I spend all day Saturday and getting ready for Sunday. I'm looking for a response. I'm looking for you to pay attention. I'm looking for you to honor the things of God. Now, we need to come back to this word now for honor. I want to share something with you. Whatever happened to manners? What happened to manners? I'm, I'm a senior now. I'm, a, I'm older. You know how many times I've been walking up to the door at Lowe's to grab the door and somebody grab the door and go through it and three people go through it and the door slam? And I have to step back and wait until they get through running through the door so I don't get knocked down. And I'm talking about adults. You get on a, you, you get on a tram and there's women standing up and men sitting down and kids sitting down, no, no respect. Well, we need to do a whole Sunday on manners, just manners. When I was a kid, when a senior walked up, you opened the door and let him in. If a woman walked up, if a woman came in the room, you gave her a chair. This is called manners. This is just basic respect for God. I'm not talking to us turning into a bunch of dead Catholics where we don't say nothing in church. But we follow the Spirit of God. There's a time to be quiet and there's a time to shout and holler. Whatever the spirit of God's leading us to do, we follow suit. And if you don't know what to do, just follow me and you'll look cool. <laughs> How are we doing? Amen. All right. Uh, the spirit of God said to me, I want you to directly confront this. Would God. Yeah. You ever read it says don't grieve the spirit of God? Did you know that we have all at times grieved the Spirit of God? I know I have. 
I know we all have. But now I'm, I feel led to preach on this so that you and I will go, you know what, let's be a lot more reverent. Let's be a lot more respectful of the word and ministers and church. Spirit of God said, I want you to confront this. When I finally was introduced, the murmur had diminished but was still present. I stepped to the podium. I stood there, looked at the crowd. I was determined to say nothing until I had their attention. I felt godly indignation burning in my breast. And after a minute, everyone went quiet, realizing nothing's happening on the platform. I did not introduce myself. I did not greet the crowd. Instead, I opened with a question, how would you like it if while someone was speaking to you, they ignored you the entire time and continued to carry on a conversation with the person next to them? Or their eyes roamed with disinterest and disrespect. I paused and answered my own question. You wouldn't like it. Let me, let me stop right now. When you're in a conversation with your spouse and the phone rings, leave the darn phone alone. Lisa and I went out to the restaurant one night, and there was a man and a woman there, and both of them were on the phone on Facebook. And I'm going, are y'all talking to each other? You're on a date with your spouse, and you're on Facebook? Thank y'all. We could go deeper. I think one, you know, I, I think at Christmas, and I'm telling my, to my daughter, Che, this. You come over to my house, I'm going to like an old cowboy movie. I'll make you leave your phone at the door. <laughs> Unless you shoot some, hit, harm somebody with that thing, you know. You sit around the room and everybody's on the phone. It's rude. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and I, I'm just going to dig a hole. Lisa, Lisa's family lives up in Tennessee. It's where we go deer hunting. When we went up there during a church, not a church party, but at a party one night, 20 children in the room. Do you know how many children in the church service are causing trouble? None. They don't allow it. Did you know you can train a two-year-old to mind? You can. Now, now, listen, you turn them loose outside, they sound like Indians, man. I mean, my God, the cows run. The dogs bark. I mean, they're not dead kids. I mean, they're, but they know what church is. You know, if you could train a two-year-old, do you think you could train a 30- or 40-year-old? Now, I'm not impressed with everything they do up there, but I'm, I'm impressed when you have a room full of children and you can't even tell they're in the church service. And we had one little girl that's mama was feeding her applesauce and the little girl, Bleh! and she did it once and she only did it once. I went, and I know why that little girl don't misbehave. I mean, my God, that mama had her, like a mama bear dealt with that kid you just and she looked at the child and said you will be happy <laughs> he said wasn't he how old was this child she, she wasn't even a year yet. wasn't even a year nine old nine months and that that child went <laughs> I went oh God would you come preach in my church once I just <laughs> 
Now, I'm not pro everything they do in the country, but my God, you know, this America would be a different place. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not going to stay on that because, you know, I can only do so much. And y'all get quiet and I have to go, bring out the whipped cream. No, I don't like a lot of correction either. We need correcting, but not an enormous amount of it. Amen. God is not correcting us all the time, but he will. So having said that, I paused and answered my own question. You wouldn't like it. I paused and said, you wouldn't visit him anymore. And I stated firmly, do you think the king of kings and the Lord of lords is going to come into a place where he's not given due honor and reverence? Do you think the master of all creation is going to speak when his word is not respected enough to even be listened to? If, you're, if you do, you're deceived. God doesn't know you a church and he doesn't know you a minister. You disrespect the word of God, and it won't be long. Then God, will, God can send that man someplace else. That's true. And there's a lot of churches where the glory lifted, and the people didn't have enough sense to know that God's not even there. It's just a country club. Not here. Amen. Say not here. Not here. Amen. Now, um, the next hour and a half, I preached. A message, <laughs> I was quite bold. Woo, he said, if I get run out of this nation tomorrow, I don't care. I'd rather obey God, and there's a lot of other nations to go to. Anyway, I closed my message. Every person present closed their eyes. People began to weep and cry before God, and, you know, I bowed my head and prayed a simple prayer, and I said, Lord, confirm your word. Preach tonight. Immediately, the presence of the Lord filled the auditorium. Although I had not led the congregation in prayer, I heard sobs from the crowd. I was aware of God's presence and weeping through the building. And bring cleansing and refreshing. It's not possible for all present to come to the altar. So I led a prayer of repentance so they could be prayed for. They stood. I watched people wipe tears. And wonderful presence of God continued. After a few minutes, God's presence subsided. I encouraged the people, don't lose your focus on the master. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. A few moments passed, and another wave of his presence flooded the building. There were more tears and crying intensified. His presence was far reaching. There's things that will never happen in your children. Until they sit in the presence of God. And you need to help me create that place. It lasted a few minutes and again subsided. I exhorted the people, don't drift. A few minutes later, I heard the Spirit of God whisper and he said, I am coming again. And immediately I sensed it. I said, he's coming again. And what I'm about to write in no way accurately presents what happened next. My words are too limited and God is too awesome. Neither will I exaggerate. For that would be irreverent. I interviewed three other leaders who were present to clarify and confirm what I'm about to write. No sooner had I said again on my lips when the following happened. The only way I know how to describe it is to compare it to standing on a hundred yards from the end of a runway as a huge jet took off in front of us. This describes the roar of wind that immediately began to blow through that building. Almost simultaneously, the people erupted in fervent and intense prayer, their voices rising and combining into an almost shout. When I first heard the rushing, I reasoned the jet had just flown over the building. In no way did I want to attribute something to God that was a chance that it was not. My mind raced to remember the proximity of the airport, and it was nowhere nearby. 
two hours had passed with no sounds of planes overhead. I turned inwardly to the Spirit, and I realized a sense of the presence of God in an awesome way, that the people had exploded into prayer. This was certainly not in response to an airplane's passing overhead. If it had been a plane, it would have been flying very low. Anyway, long story short, the people outside heard the noise inside. The wind of God blew, and a revival broke out. We come in here. And I do the best I can to preach and teach. And I'm limited in what I can give you. You need God. You need God. You need his presence. Churches, we don't need more dead churches in America. We need living churches. I'm going to read one more scripture to you. Isaiah 60. This is where I wanted to go a while ago, Isaiah 60. God wants to wrap you in glory. You were designed. I'm gonna, matter of fact, I'm going to read that one too. So get ready to put Colossians 126 up there on the screen. Isaiah 60. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now, he's writing about the day we're in. I'm going to prove it to you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. God has an answer for what we're going through. When Jesus walked this earth, he walked in a very hostile environment, but it affected him none. As a matter of fact, he ruled it. He ruled lack. He ruled demons. He ruled Rome. No matter how bad it got. Listen, this is the answer. Now go to Colossians. Go to Colossians. We'll get it. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and generation but has now been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. <laughs> Listen, God... God is not coming back for a defeated church. He's not coming back for people hiding in their basement from the government. He's not coming back to a bunch of people begging for food in a a soup line during an apocalypse. He's coming back for a church full of the glory of God. 
You walk in a building, they ought to go, my God, you're a Christian. My God, look at the joy on you. Look at the peace on you. Look at the blessings that are, my God, where do you go to church? I want your Jesus. You can't trade the glory for religion. Listen, don't, don't come in here for two hymns, two hers, and a sermon. Come in here to get in the presence of God. Get that anointing. Get it all over you and, and spend time in the presence of God so that when you walk out of here and you walk in the home of your children and you walk in the home of your family members, that anointing drips off of you. It gets all over the house. The people in there are asking you about Jesus. What do I need to do to get saved? Go ahead and sit down. I'm going to tell you a story. Smith Wigglesworth, a lady invited Smith to come and, 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 and stay in her home while he was in town preaching. And she said, you can use the bed my husband sleeps in at night because he works at night and he's home during the day and you can just stay in that bedroom and you can just stay there. So she said, but while you're here, I want you to pray for my husband. He's lost. And he goes, yeah, okay, ma'am. So he goes off preaching every day, comes home, and the, the, old, the man goes to work and Smith goes in there and lays in bed and sleep, and they're just swapping the, the bed. At the end of a week, she, he gets up to leave and she goes, Mr. Wigglesworth, Mr. Wigglesworth, What about my husband? He said, don't change the sheets. Don't change the sheets. Where do you think he was praying? What do you think was getting all down in those sheets? Smith Wigglesworth laying in the bed. The anointing of God. So her husband came home one one morning and walked in there and laid in the bed and went, Ah, I need Jesus. You can put it on a cloth and ship it to people. Devils will come out of them. Brother Hagin tells stories about sending claws into mental institutions and people's minds straightening up. Glory to God. See, it's the, the it's ten the presence of God is tangible. And you want it. Say, I want it. I want the anointing. I want the kebab. Christ in me. Hope of glory. I'm going to tell another story. I'm just going to tell another story. I, I have stories. I have a lot of stories, but I'm just going to tell it. You heard it before. I don't tell it again because Mark Hankins tells his same story over and over and over. over. So just let me, let me. There's, a, there's, a, there's a hospital on I-Drive south of SeaWorld, and it's a nut hospital for crazy people. 
And the, the, the masons that went in there, they built all the doors wrong. Well, the government builds anything. You build it the way they say it, or you, they're going to tear it down. So they sent me in there to tear all the headers off the doors and replace everything and make the door the right size. So that, and they also sent me off alone because they didn't like being around hearing about Jesus. See, the kebab will cause you a little bit of trouble with some folks. I'm standing there, and, I, and I'm on a ladder, and I'm cutting a header out, and I got a saw cutting concrete. Now, you, what color's concrete? It's gray. You know what gray concrete looks like on, on, on a white boy? It makes him whiter. Well, I'm cutting this concrete with a saw, and there's, there's this guy standing there, and he's at the bottom of my ladder, and he's looking at me. And finally, after a minute or two, I'm kind of like, okay, you ever seen anybody cut a header with a saw? And he goes, you're glowing. I said, it's dust. He said, you're Christian. He said, My, he said you talk in tongues. I said, I do. He goes, I'm a heroin addict. Would you come down and pray for me? How do they know that? They see it. They see it. They see it. We have pictures of Jesus. They didn't know what to do with it. They always put a little halo around him. Honey, it wasn't around his head. It was around him. If you could see yourself in the spirit realm, you glow. Now, I'm getting into next week's sermon. You can take that anointing and you can rub it on people. (laughs) Glory, I got a lot of stories, but I don't have to stop. You're not going to make it. In these days, without the glory. But with it, piece of cake. I'm asking this because we're going to start, we're going to start, Lisa and I have been praying over this church. And I pray that it becomes a place where you can bring in-laws and outlaws, family members, and they'll experience God. But it doesn't happen by accident. You have to own purpose. I'm going to church. I'm going to go to worship. I'm going to get there on time. I'm going to spend time with God today. I'm going to get the anointing all over me. The anointing breaks the yoke. I could go along. It made David rich and made Abraham rich. It made David an undefeated warrior. You couldn't defeat him. That's the anointing. It got so strong in Elijah, he didn't even cross rivers anymore. They just opened up. That's old covenant, guys. There is more to the church than we've ever seen. I want to tell one more story. I'm, I'm, I'm out of time anyway. I might as well go ahead. 
I was at a Rodney Howard Brown meeting in Lakeland. I don't know how many of y'all were there when the angels sang. Was there anybody here that was there when the angels sang? Lisa was there. Bob was there. We were in a service one night. Rodney was preaching. I don't know what Rodney calls that. He's talking. The glory is here. And it was. All of a sudden, I look up and I hear the most beautiful worship I'd ever heard in my life. Male voices just worshiping God. And I looked around me and everyone around me his mouth was shut. And they were looking. We had stepped over into heaven. And we could hear heaven singing. The building was full of the glory of God. In that presence is when God starts answering questions and giving you blessings and healing your body. I wouldn't have missed that service for all the money in the world. And I'd give all the money to have another one. Do we have to wait till we die to go to heaven? You don't. Y'all are good people. This is a good church. But I need God. I need God. I need his presence. I don't want to live on this planet without him. Amen. I want to pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. We've touched an awesome subject, your glory. You came in the temple and you came in the earth on Jesus and then you gave your glory to your church. It was on Paul, it was on Peter. It was on David, it was on Moses, it was on Abraham. Now it's on us. We're living in the time stuff are happening around us, but Jesus was victorious everywhere he went. I believe we can live victoriously. All we need is kebab. <laughs> A bunch of glory. Father, we worship. You are an awesome God. We give you praise and honor. And we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this church. You're welcome in our homes. You're welcome in our lives. Our families need you. I've talked to my family. They need to hear from you. I've talked to people. They need to experience your glory. They need to have a head-on run-in with you like Paul did on the road to Damascus to where they're headed in the wrong direction and then they turn around and get on fire for God. That's the glory of God. I thank you for every person the sound of my voice. I, I pray as we get up right now and go home that you take what we've heard today and begin to seal our souls with the need for your presence, for your anointing to be in a service where you are walking and showing up. That we covet it, we desire it, we hunger for your presence. 
My family needs it. My children need it. My grandchildren need it. I need it. Lisa needs this. We need this, sir. We need your glory in this building. We need your glory here. I pray that the days ahead we'd have people walk in. The doctor said they're dying of cancer. And I mean just walk in the building. They get healed. I pray that every time someone walks in depressed, they walk out free from all depression. They walk in full of anxiety and leave full of peace because we've been in the presence of God. I give you praise and honor for that in Jesus' name, amen. I'm not done, but I'm out of time. The day I met Jesus, that anointing hit me. I went home totally different. I didn't get religion. I met God. Man, I so want people to walk in and the anointing hit them and they go, wow. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for y'all. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I don't remember him reading this, but if you could throw Leviticus 10.3 up on the screen, where the Lord said to Moses to tell the people this, that as for those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. Isn't that great? By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. If you're going to get near God and near his manifest presence, I know he lives inside of many of you, but he's never manifested much. He can be quiet if he's not reverenced. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. So in order for him to glorify himself in front of us, amen, he must be glorified by us. Amen. Um, God loves each and every one of you. If I can have our altar workers come forward, and I've got a surprise for every one of you out there today. Um, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you never remember a day that you said, Jesus, thank you for the blood. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Not I believe in God, not I know about God. No, Jesus, your Lord, thank you for shedding your blood for me. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. If you don't ever remember a day that you said that, come forward today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Do not wait. Do it today. I cannot guarantee what may happen. But when you say, Jesus be Lord, you're saying, Satan, you're no longer Lord. Amen? My, my lordship is, belongs to Jesus. You serve one or the other. So if you're here today or you have a friend... We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give 
to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.